0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship this morning as we learn from the wise guys of scripture, namely Solomon from the wisdom writing of the book of Proverbs, and Jesus, who teaches us what it looks like to lean into wisdom as people who are redeemed by His grace. So this series is all about seeking wisdom, but to be very clear, seeking wisdom is not seeking salvation. There's only one source of salvation, and it's found in what Jesus did for you and me through the cross. Only Jesus can save us, redeem us, and give us eternal life by the victory of his resurrection. I want to be very clear. There is no way of earning or achieving eternal life through wisdom. A wise human being is just as human as a foolish human being. (laughs) For eternal salvation, we have to look to the one who is eternal, because only the one who is of heaven can open heaven for us. Salvation is the gift of Jesus for all who will receive it from him. So if gaining wisdom isn't going to earn us salvation, why do it? What's the point? (laughs) Well, wisdom isn't about heavenly life. It's meant for earthly application. It's about navigating this life well as God's people. Wisdom is a very practical gift of God and one that's actually quite important to the quality and productivity of our discipleship with people here and now. As Ray Orland says so well in his book, Proverbs, Wisdom That Works, if we have love but not wisdom, we will harm people with our best intentions. If we have truth, but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to people. If we have courage, but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. If we have technology, but not wisdom, we will use the best communications to broadcast stupidly. If we have revival, but not wisdom, we'll throw the church into reverse gear. Because even good things applied without God's wisdom can become in themselves idols that we worship. So godly wisdom is what helps us keep our focus on what matters most, to keep us from getting derailed by our own pride or our own ideas of what's best, lest we miss where God is working. Godly wisdom is how Jesus could both uphold scripture sinlessly and eat with tax collectors and sinners with the result of turning their hearts toward the things of God rather than away from them. Godly wisdom helps us take what we know of him and apply it in such a way that others can see the goodness of it. And I know I would like as much of that as possible. So how do we grow in that kind of wisdom that Jesus seemed to live so effortlessly? Where do we start? Well, in chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs, we are eavesdropping on a conversation between a father and his son. And the father is seeking to pass on his wisdom to his son to help him grow. And here's where this father starts with an if. In Proverbs 2.1, my son, if... You accept my words and store up my commands within you. Because this is an if, right? This whole conversation is going nowhere unless the son decides he actually wants to grow in wisdom. My friend Rachel and I often use a line about this that she got from her godson when he was little. Once when his mother was trying to teach him something, Seeing him almost paralyzed in frustration, thinking she knew what was going on, she encouraged him, you'll get it, I know you can do it. But she soon found out that wasn't the real problem when his frustrated response to her can-do coaching was, I can't want to. (laughs) I can't want to. Real. (laughs) I think we can all relate. We all have those days we want to cry out to God or family or co-workers or the world's expectations, I can't want to. I just can't want to today. And isn't that the real hurdle? Because if we don't want to grow, we won't. We'll stay right where we are. And it's very possible to be dragged kicking and screaming into regurgitating information, but for real growth, We have to voluntarily receive something and make it our own and use it, put it into practice for ourselves. Real growing, growing wisdom takes having the want to, and it takes having a longing for the things of God in us. So no matter where you are on your journey of faith, this question is for you too today. Do you want to grow? Or do you at least want to want to grow in wisdom? Because we can only start from where we actually are. And if that's where you are, the first step is confessing, Lord, I can't want to. I really need your help with this. And then it takes courage to ask the Lord to show you why. What is this about? What are you afraid to lose or to gain? Or is it a fear of failure or a feeling you just can't cram another thing into your life or your brain, or you can't see a benefit to seeking it. Like little children, we're often too short-sighted to see this invitation into wisdom is meant for our good, to actually help make our daily lives better, less bumpy in the practical things. That his purpose isn't to set us up to test us. Life will test us, whether we listen to him or not. He's out to help us make our way through the tests that life will bring, but to navigate them with him, with his peace, his hope, his grace. That's what godly wisdom is about. Practical, day-to-day navigation through our choices as we learn from his. So first, to grow, we need the want to. But the second part is just as important. We need to know and accept the one we're learning from the father's invitation to the son is my son if you accept my words and store up my commands within you if you accept he is the teacher and you are the student if you choose to accept that his words that he is worth learning from now this journey can begin that's how we start growing Because the Lord always has things he wants to teach you and show you and offer you to help you understand how to apply his good news to your life and the lives of others. But all that wisdom sitting on the page of your Bible in front of you won't change anything in you if you're not willing to let it in, to let him in. Dan Lugo has recently been working out developing some new language around how we grow as disciples. And he's come up with this language to explain where we start, that first we need to learn Jesus, and then we trust Jesus, and then we start to imitate Jesus. And that order is very important because we won't imitate what we don't trust, and we won't trust one that we don't know. And that's the same reason the Father in Proverbs 2 started with if. He knew if you're going to grow in wisdom, first you have to feel like you know the one you want to learn from well. You have to know you trust him, that you admire and respect what you see in his life and teaching before you'll receive his words and teaching as something you want to imitate with your life. And in that way, it turns out both the imparting and the growing in wisdom is deeply relational when you know the one who is inviting you to grow can be trusted and is worth learning from, when you start to realize that he is in this with you because he loves you, that's when the can't want to starts to crumble. When you begin to trust that he actually wants to walk with you because he wants good for you. It starts feeling less like tasks you need to learn or perform or achieve and more like his investment in your life to give you a new understanding of life that you're invited to share with him. And honestly, if we don't get this, the whole rest of the book won't matter. So now, assuming we've heard the if, and we've prayed for the want to, and we've accepted our role as the students of this teacher, now let's go back and look at Proverbs 2. My son... And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So as it turns out, what the Father is teaching his Son is that when we're seeking wisdom, we're actually seeking God. And if we seek him, we will find him. And this is a very important point. Because if you want to gain wisdom, you're not going to find it by trying to be smart. Or by memorizing a bunch of sayings. But by observing intently the words and the deeds of your Savior, we start by learning about him and learning from him. Now think about the people that you consider wise in your life. Most likely, it's not just what they know that impresses you, but how they live what they know in a way that impacts the people around them. Because wisdom is revealed in interpersonal ways. It's not just in what you know, but in knowing when to speak it and when to wait. When to act, when to confront, when to comfort, in order to help move others into what's good. To be wise, we don't just learn facts or truths. We learn from the master both by what he says and how he chooses to engage the world with it. And this world today can be a very confusing place to figure out how to engage others in faith and life. But Ray Orland says that that search is the call of the book of Proverbs, saying in his book, you need not run from life, you only need to run to God, and he will prepare you for real life. See, the truth is we don't just need more human wisdom. We need the wisdom of Jesus to be at work in us and through us by the Holy Spirit. To work in us not just what we know, but the things we can't know. The things he alone knows, both about the truth and about the person in front of us. The Lord gives wisdom. So wanting to grow in wisdom is more of wanting more of the Holy Spirit's work in you because the Holy Spirit is the go-between, the advocate between us and Father God in our prayers, the one who helps us in hearing and remembering Jesus' words and actions, the one who convicts us when we get off course. So the wisdom we're talking about here is more than our head knowledge. It's more like a spiritual gut knowledge, and we receive it from the Lord when we are walking with him. Because this wisdom doesn't come from looking deep inside us. It comes from looking to Him. And Jesus expressed how that works in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we think wisdom is about gathering the right knowledge, we only see half the picture. You see, having knowledge about the truth is good. But without God's wisdom at work in us, we can make a mess of applying even true things in ways that do more harm than good. We need his wisdom at work in us to grow spiritual fruit in the soil of real people. And only the one who knows all of us inside and out can help us navigate that ground. We need more than knowledge. We need his wisdom to convey his heart. Think for a moment about the Pharisees. They had greater knowledge of the law than anyone. They'd come up with answers to what was right and wrong down to the minutest detail, but their knowledge-based approach seemed to drive people away from God more than they led people to him, which Jesus often comments on with frustration. They had lots of knowledge, but they were missing wisdom. But Jesus' disciples were learning it by seeing how the Son of God was able to draw people into the kind of lives that showed the intention of the law from wherever he found them. And since no human being on earth has ever been more in tune with the Holy Spirit of God than Jesus, since as Son of God, he's part of the Trinity, as we look at Jesus, we can see how this works. One of my favorite biblical examples is in the story of Zacchaeus from Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So at this point, what knowledge do we have about Zacchaeus? He was very wealthy, and he got that way by collecting money from his own people to give to Rome, the foreign power occupying their nation. Very unpopular job, considered traitorous. And as we see later in this story, his own wealth came from abusing the power of that position to shake down his own people to take more for his own personal gain. So this is not what people would consider a good guy. (laughs) This was a man who got rich by stealing from the people around him. And they knew he was doing it, but they had no power to do anything about it. But there's also something else to know here, if we'll notice it. Zacchaeus had the want to. He knew Jesus had something he needed, something he didn't have in himself, and he was so desperate for it that he climbed a tree just to catch a glimpse of it. And in seeing Zacchaeus, what in that obvious list of facts does Jesus react to? The fact that Zacchaeus was a thief and a liar and an abuser of the public trust? Does Jesus use his knowledge of the law and justice and Zacchaeus' sin to publicly condemn him? No. What Jesus reacted to was not the sin that was so apparent, but the surprising fact that Zacchaeus had the want to. His heart was open. And in godly wisdom, Jesus saw the need of this tender moment to tip the scales and change the course of Zacchaeus' life forever, not by applying the law, but the gospel. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, really, you can hardly blame them for this because all of them were probably victims of Zacchaeus's sinful financial bullying and they had to wonder why in the world would jesus give this guy the time of day of all people why hang out with him he should be reading him in the riot act but jesus knew what he was doing you can just about imagine the master looking over that disgruntled crowd mumbling wait for it because then the story continues but zacchaeus stood up and he said to the lord look lord Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too was a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now what do we see, how do we learn from the wisdom of Jesus here? Jesus knew all about Zacchaeus' sin, and so it turned out did Zacchaeus. <laughs> he even already knew what he should do to make it right. But he's so far down that path, he can't imagine there's any way back for him. But Jesus sees it, and he knows what Zacchaeus needs is for someone else to see it for him. Zacchaeus needs to know that he could be saved, that he could be welcomed back into a new kind of life before he can even imagine the courage to take that step of the turn of repentance. So Jesus first takes a step toward him. You see, wisdom reveals you can't expect someone to be imitating Jesus with their life if they haven't come to trust Jesus. And to come to trust him, they first need to know him. So with Zacchaeus, Jesus starts by inviting himself over. (laughs) Because he could see Zacchaeus had the want to. Jesus tended this moment carefully until having learned Jesus and coming to trust Jesus, Zacchaeus also dared to move into imitating him, which he did. Salvation came to that house that day. But this is what Jesus did with this man. This action is not a one-size-fits-all. And this is where wisdom comes in. Because I am sure there were lots of other tax collectors in the crowd that day who were not climbing any trees to see Jesus. But Jesus didn't invite himself over to any of their houses (laughs) because wisdom would tell him that would be fruitless maybe even harmful for one who was so intentionally closed off to his presence. But the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, and that's what Jesus saw in that tree. He saw a sinner looking for hope. And in the wisdom of how Jesus handled his relationship with this sinner, Zacchaeus learned and trusted and received, and only then did his life become an imitation of the wise one as is true for every one of us. Godly wisdom is given and received relationally. The Lord gives wisdom. Proverbs 2, 9 through 11 goes on to say, Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guide you. Knowledge, protection, guidance. Now that doesn't mean that a person who loves the Lord will never have hard times. But a heart that's seeking God's wisdom often will find they avoid a lot of pitfalls they otherwise might fall into. Zacchaeus had to learn the hard way that the life he had been pursuing was not actually the life he wanted or needed. And it's not that the Lord rewards you for doing things right. It's more like when you're listening to him to help you take each step, you'll find a way to walk that's better. Verse 11 says, When wisdom enters your heart, knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. But think about Zacchaeus. Before Jesus called him down from that tree, for him, knowledge was a burden to him because he knew the path he was walking on was not the one the Lord would have him take. But when Jesus found him, valued him, it gave him the courage of repentance to change and to know that knowledge could once again be pleasant. When we learn and trust and imitate Jesus, when we remain in him, we find our lives to be more meaningful and more worth the living, and that peace becomes in itself a blessing. Wisdom is all about how to use knowledge and truth in a way where it will grow fruit in real life soil. And sometimes tenderness is what's needed when growth is flailing. Jesus did that a lot with people who felt rejected or unworthy. Sometimes conviction is what's needed. Jesus did that a lot, especially in conversation with the Pharisees. The truth will always be the truth, but only through applying it in the wisdom and imitation of Jesus will it actually take root in the heart. That's why Jesus reminds us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So to sum all of this up, how do we grow in godly wisdom? First, we need the want to. We pray, Lord, help me want to grow in your way of wisdom. Show me what it is you want to teach me. Show me when I'm choosing the pride of my knowledge over your wisdom that will actually produce spiritual fruit in my life and those around me. And secondly, we need to receive and accept our role as student of this teacher as we seek to learn about Jesus and from Jesus. As Proverbs 2 says, we apply our heart to understanding the character of Jesus, the way of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the method of Jesus. What do you see in him, in his words and his actions? And having learned Jesus, we dare trust him enough to apply his teaching to our lives, to trust his words, to trust both in his grace and his truth. If you already trust Jesus to be your savior, to take you from death into life, won't you trust him to help you navigate this life, these relationships, these people with his wisdom? As we put it into action, we seek to imitate Jesus and the ways we too engage the world around us. Well, what does that look like in your relationships, your conversations, your actions? And then finally, we acknowledge, we know we won't always get it right. But the fact is, the Lord cares so much less about you getting it right. He knows you won't always. Then he cares about you growing the right heart. And as long as we're living, we're growing as we look to our teacher. Wisdom is God's for best use of this life gift for us. But like the gift of salvation, if wisdom is to be ours, it's also a gift that needs to be received. And receiving anything requires humility. It requires us to see there is something outside of us that we actually need. It requires a teachable, humble heart. Because we're not looking inside us to find this wisdom. We're looking to him. And that makes all the difference. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we seek to grow in knowledge and truth, help us also seek to grow in wisdom That through your Holy Spirit, our lives may lead others to you, Jesus, the one who came to seek and save the lost. We thank you, Lord, that you found us, that you called us your own. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to remain in you, that our lives may be fruitful vessels of your life in us for the sake of the lives around us. And all this we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.